Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. I'm Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Collins. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about three benefits of what I think is one of the most underused vehicles in finance. Sure. And the reason I say that is, is I don't know about you, Alex. I There's several underused vehicles. This is just one that I think is staring at everyone in the face, yet most people just don't utilize it. Um, and that's just because of of what they hear and see in the media and what they, maybe the knowledge that they have of it as well. Yeah. I mean, oftentimes they're trying to chase other benefits and like miss out on some of the, some of the components that this one offers. Yeah, so before- what we're talking about here is a taxable brokerage account. And we're going to be talking about the three benefits and the three benefits that go along with this is flexibility, long-term capital gains, tax treatment, and tax loss harvesting. But before we dive into how those benefits are with this individual account, what are we drinking today, Alex? So today, I'm cautiously optimistic to try this. You found a beer that is called Cozy Sweater. It is a stout, which is a different... uh, style than what we're accustomed to it's from iron horse brewery now in our pre-show notes uh you had missed that this was a vanilla milk stout so it'll be interesting to see how this is but uh clocks in at five percent and uh obviously a massive divergence from our normal ipas because it only clocks in at nine IBUs. We're used to stuff that has at least two digits, if not three. Yeah. I, I chose this, this beer. I, I was in the grocery store. It had a really good, I, I like the picture on it. And then the, the name, the name of the beer called cozy sweater, which is what, you know, it sounded interesting to me. So I wanted to try it out when I got home and Alex and I started chatting about, you know, what, what the beer of the day was and, all of a sudden I saw vanilla milk stout and I got really concerned around this being a very sweet beer. Um, and after that first taste, actually, it's not that sweet. I expected it to be a lot sweeter given it's a vanilla milk stout type of beer. What are your thoughts? Uh, this like, so most stouts wind up being like too thick, too chocolatey, too just right too much for me it, it winds up being kind of a a meal in a can where you almost have to chew it and the vanilla milk component like really just kind of like smooths it out and mellows it out i'm i, I it's I, a I little would, bit thicker than an amber is how i would explain it it's definitely thicker than an amber but uh that's what i just said it's in between an amber and like a full like a full stat that i think most people are accustomed to yeah, but it has that really nice stout finish to it. Um, this is this is a great winter beer. Yeah, no, I think it's pretty solid, actually. So bottle cap rating for me, I'm going to give this for stouts, not just beers in general, for a stout, this is 9 out of 10 for me. Yeah, I'm going to go 8 out of 10 in general, like or 8 out of 10 as a stout. Um, and then like uh, compared to like, like, how would I rate this across... All beers, uh, I'm giving it a solid six, but most stouts, in my opinion, are like fours. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm not. I'm not a fan of stouts in general. 
yeah, this, I, this is a solid stout. I'd actually, you might get me drinking two of these if, if you get me a <laughs> uh, uh, non-work hours. So check them out again. It's Iron Horse Brewery, Ellensburg, Washington. The name of the beer is called Cozy Sweater. So, so let's dive into this. We started the the episode I was talking about, you know, this is, at least in my opinion, a very underused vehicle when it comes to uh, assets. And the reason I say that is most of the time, now we work with a lot of tech professionals, so a lot of them have a taxable brokerage account, but it's really just their stock options or the restricted mm-hmm. stock units, right? Their RSUs. So it's really just like name of company stock. <laughs> is what what they have in their taxable brokerage account. They're not actually utilizing it in the way that we're talking about utilizing it, where you're investing it and you're typically not, you know, you're not investing in only one company, especially the company that you also work for. And this account, you know, the, the first the first benefit that I think is huge is flexibility. Yeah, flexibility, uh, liquidity that goes along with that flexibility. So the ability to access the dollars um, without uh, with without tax penalties and and as much in the way of ramifications. There's still tax ramifications for accessing it, and we'll get into that here in a minute or two. But uh, yeah, you've got more a lot more choice typically with uh, what the dollars can be invested in. Um, and you've, you've got just wide open ability to access it and, uh, a lot more control over what it's invested in. Yeah. And let me, let me back up here for, for those of you who are maybe newer to investing, what we mean by taxable brokerage account, this is an investment account, like maybe your 401k or your Roth IRA that maybe you're, you're accustomed to, but it, this is not designated as a retirement account, which means you can access it prior to age 59 and a half. And from tax uh, benefits, this isn't a tax deferred or tax free type of model of an account. This is a an account that you can access that's taxable depending on how, how you access it. Yeah. So we don't wind up with getting a tax deduction for dollars that are contributed. It doesn't wind up being tax free on the back end like a Roth. Uh, Roth being the tax-free on the back end, deductible being like a traditional or a 401k on the front end. But we do wind up with long-term capital gains tax treatment. Uh, Again, we have to hold the internal holdings for longer than 365 days. Uh, We need to make sure that uh, if we're, depending upon what we're actually investing in, we we may wind up with uh, capital gains distributions or some dividends that wind up being taxable. So there's there's some caveats we need to be careful with some of this stuff. And if we hold it for longer than 365 days, we get some really nice tax advantages. Yeah, it becomes long-term capital gains tax treatment rather than ordinary income tax treatment, right? So depending on income levels and a couple other items, it could be taxed at 0%. On up to 23.8 currently. Uh, and on the federal level, some states have enacted capital gains tax on the state level as well. So when we look at flexibility, and then we the number two benefit here, we're talking about long-term capital gains treatment. You know, those two pieces are huge. Not from the standpoint of like this, an inve- any investment account you have, if this is money you're touching in the next year, 
this isn't necessarily the the account for you for the most part, right? This this is an account. Anytime you're investing money, you're investing long term. Yeah. Well, and like if we're talking about shorter time frames, like a year, if we don't want to put it into opinion based structures because now we're we're speculating on what's going to happen over the next year instead of investing where we can take a longer term more systematic approach to it right but but this is a liquid account as well liquid as in you can actually touch the money without penalty mm-hmm. and depending on how you're managing it maybe it's a lower tax uh, aspect that's there and what hits me over the head a little bit is is how many people did we talk to alex that said oh man i wish i had extra funds laying around in 08 to buy real estate right? or Or, extra funds to invest in X company that I would have started myself, right? Like we hear this all the time. And the question that always appears in my head and I, and I never say it because I don't want to make the person wrong. Sometimes you say it. I take that back. I do say it oftentimes, but my question always back is, well, why didn't you? And this goes back to, I think the, the, when you think about financial planning, you know, you always hear statements of your first dollar should be going in some sense of a retirement account. And that's all you hear. When's the last article you saw that says, Hey, let me tell you about the benefits of a taxable brokerage account. And, and this isn't saying like, that's the first place that your money should go. Like, the, like every no, what situation I meant by that. is unique and different. Right. And the only thing you ever hear is put money into a 401k because it's matched and you get tax deferral and blah, blah, blah. But what's not talked about is you've essentially tied up that money for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years, maybe longer, depending upon like what type of time frame you're looking at. Uh, and yes, you can get access to dollars inside of a 401k through uh, like there's a couple a loan or like an in-service withdrawal maybe, but there's usually some some different caveats and like a lot of strings that are tied to those types of things where you can't take a loan without adding more cash flow going out the door to repay that loan. Um, you can oftentimes shift around things to make it so that you're minimizing that cash flow change, but you're still like there's still a cash flow requirement. And so like it's it's one of those things where you have to be aware of what are the different choices. And this is why blanket advice like, oh, your first dollar should go into 401k is probably not good advice. Well I don't I mean I've spoken to a lot as of recently where they're talking about, you know, they want to get to financial independence as early as possible. Right now, I've got a client that's actually 48 years old. And he's like, yeah, I, I want to retire in the next seven years. And he's actually got the assets to retire except for one point. The majority of his assets are all in retirement accounts. And, and so I said, hey, in seven years, how old are you going to be? And he's like, well, I'll be 55. Okay, well, those assets, you can't touch until you're 59 and a half unless you want to pay some extra penalty. And all of a sudden he was like, crap. There's some ways that we can get access to those dollars through like 72T, 72Q. But at the same time, like you're now like saddling yourself with just a massive like requirement of must do this, no other choices. That So there's some ways, 72T and 72Q are ways to take periodic systematic distributions and avoid penalties, uh, but they come with some onerous uh, requirements. Yeah. Which... 
takes us to number three here, Alex, and it's tax loss harvesting, which is especially this year, it's it's the common thing that I think I see a lot of in the news is like, hey, are you tax loss harvest? It's like the pro to the year 2022 because it's been such a down year in the stock market. When, and one of the things that we want to make sure that we talk about is when we tax loss harvest, let's make sure that we understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. Well, let's define tax loss harvesting real quick. Sure. Uh, tax loss harvesting is selling out of a position that has a loss, whether that's a short-term or a long-term loss. You're able to go ahead and then take these short-term uh, or long-term losses and wipe them out against short-term or long-term gains. And so there's a way to go ahead and do some tax planning and some tax strategy. Uh, anytime you're looking for tax advice, please make sure that you include your CPA or tax advisor in the conversation. And typically, we want to go ahead and take these tax losses in years in which we have really high income. So if that was you for 2022, pick up the phone and have a conversation with your tax advisor, with your CPA, with your financial planner who's able to go ahead and provide tax insight and tax strategy because you got a few more days before the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, there, there are you know, two reasons that come to mind that people are really looking at tax law that we tend to work with tax loss harvesting is, you know, maybe it's an over, um, they've got too much money in their company stock, right? And because of the the gain in the stock, you know, they didn't want to sell it because of the tax implications. Well, in this year, now they can offset that where maybe they won't have as high of, of a taxable uh, implication in their tax returns. Right. The other aspect is, is maybe it's not in your company stock. Maybe you just have some sort of taxable investment that you then want to offset because you do want to maybe get off of the, because it's just a tax burden that's going to continue to grow and grow and grow. Now you can offset that and maybe implicate some tax strategy inside of your financial plan. Yeah, you might be able to diversify your investments. You might want to liquidate some of the investments to use them in other manners, whatever the case may be. And tax loss harvesting can be a way to go ahead and offset the tax bill if you're having a good year. If you're having a bad year, we may not want to offset the tax bill. And that sounds weird to say, but at the same time, like depending upon whether it's a short-term cap gain or a long-term cap gain can make a big impact as to like what we're trying to do and how we're trying to go about it. Uh, so you need to make sure that you're working with somebody who understands this stuff. Um, and chances are you wind up needing a team of professionals, a tax advisor and an investment professional to be able to coordinate having a comprehensive strategy for you. So just a recap of today's episode, right? Like an underused investment account that we don't see a lot of, or at least under use of, is a taxable brokerage account. And the top three benefits for this account is just flexibility. And the flexibility includes access to it, as well as different taxable gains uh, type treatment, long-term capital gain treatment. And then number three, tax loss harvesting, which takes us to the question of the day, Alex. Our question today is what is your favorite benefits that you're receiving from your investment accounts? So head over to beerandmoney.net and at the top of the page, there's a spot that says contact. And that's going to take you to a page to answer that question. Or if you had any other questions bubbling up from this episode that you wanted us to answer, maybe on a further on an updated podcast, that's also a great spot to reach out to us. Look, we started this podcast to bring 
hopefully valuable resources and valuable knowledge to you to take action in your personal financial situation. If you got any value out of this, you learned something. My guess is you might have a coworker, a friend, maybe even a parent that might also get something out of it. So share the, share this episode with them. As always, we hope this episode is valuable. And Mr. Collins. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities LLC is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation, or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities LLC, OSJ 200 Market Street, Suite 1850. Portland, Oregon, 97201. Phone number 503-221-1226. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, AR Insurance License Number 1531912, CA Insurance License Number 0K24924, Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License Number 7264699, CA Insurance License Number 0H24806. Pinpoint Number 2022-147994, Expiration December 2024.